What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. I hope you're all uh, prepared, ready to have a great uh, Thanksgiving week and travel safely. Um, just a quick suggestion. If you're flying this week, uh, my wife and I have learned uh, a quick lesson, or fortunately it wasn't too terribly of a hard lesson, but just something worth sharing. Uh, if you're traveling, you know, flying, uh, be sure to pack your toiletries and a change of clothes in your carry-on. Um, probably seems like a no-duh thing, but uh, a lot of our flights got canceled or one of them got canceled or delayed pretty severely, and we ended up having a crash in the airport, so it was kind of nice to have uh, some comfort things uh, with us on hand. So just a quick suggestion there. It's probably, like I said, a no-dub, but it seems like that's becoming a pretty normal thing for, for delays to happen, um, so kind of nice just to be comfortable. Um, but regardless, I hope you were all prepared and uh, ready to enjoy some much-needed time off, rest, and quality time with your families. Uh, otherwise, a couple quick announcements. Um, I'm super proud of where we've been going with this podcast and the feedback I've been getting. Um, please do me a favor, and uh, if you haven't yet, please leave a rating and review wherever you get the podcast and uh, help me continue spreading the message. Finally, today's episode is brought to you by Eberly Stock. Um, it's about snow sports time, uh, at least up here in Idaho. My wife and I are big into snowshoeing, and uh, excuse me, last year we took uh, several opportunities to uh, bug out and have a good time in the snow, uh, and uh, we both took our Everly Stock Bandits as day packs. Uh, they're the perfect size to pack some water, snacks, and uh, and layers. So if you're planning on getting uh, out snowmobiling, hiking, snowshoeing, uh, give Everly Stock a call, talk to Tucker, and get hooked up with the appropriately pack, uh, appropriate pack to carry all of your stuff. Otherwise, uh, let's roll a wicked episode with my buddy Kevin Monroe. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. For those of you new to the show, uh, my name is Austin Jardine, and uh, I'm just some dude outside of Boise, Idaho, who likes to sit down and uh, talk to people. I like to get their stories, understand who they are, where they come from, and uh, maybe give you guys some insight into uh, how to tackle life. Maybe share some tools, life experiences, lessons learned, stuff like that. And uh, we're doing an in-house recording for the first time in a little while. My buddy Kevin is sitting here with me. Yeah. Yeah, you guys probably will re recognize the name because he came over a couple of weeks ago when we did uh, the Afghanistan, uh, you know, when the whole Afghanistan debacle went down. You came over and shared your two cents and a bit of your experience, and we yeah. finally locked down a time to, to chat again. So Dude, Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You've been crazy busy. You've been out doing hunting. You just Everything came back from a wicked crack <laughs> yeah man yeah <laughs> i don't ever <laughs> i don't ever stop it seems like i just don't ever have there's not enough hours in the day you know yeah i get that it's better than busy busy than bored i prefer yeah so but anyways man cheesy intro out of the way we're that's uh, not that cheesy we're good you uh <laughs> you got your big buck down you're gonna make some jerky we were talking about that we're coffeeed up jerkied up now ready to tackle it yeah, so solid yeah so you and i've talked a little bit got to know each other a little bit over the past couple of weeks and months and whatnot but for people that don't know who you are do you mind giving yourself uh, an intro yeah yeah for sure um you know like you said uh, uh my name's kevin monroe and uh you know, i served in the military from 2004 to around 2000 well july of 2018 uh four of which was in the marines uh the other 10, 11, whatever it comes out to in some months, was in the Army. Uh, deployed three different conflicts um, and went at least twice to each of those. So I have a little bit of experience in, uh, you know, all that overseas. But the hardest part is dealing with all that back over here. Yeah. And that's what, you know, we had talked about that I was starting. I was writing a book and had been putting a lot of work into that because there's a lot of topics that actually don't get don't get brought up and I, th and I think maybe it applies more to people that have been in a little bit longer um maybe kind of develop some sort of dependency on the military you know instead of just like a four-year you know part-timer and what I have found is I had to stop writing completely and yeah. start doing research because outside of PTSD another massive um I don't even know what you want to call it disorder maybe um that i've kind of keyed in on is codependency okay um which is weird right because usually that's associated with 
relationships where there's an alcoholic or anything like that, but it is a dependent relationship, um, which you can have just through, you could be in a relationship with a narcissist for 10 years and you'll develop codependency. Um, you can, there's, there's multiple ways to get it. And what I've noticed is that the same behaviors as like not knowing who you are, not knowing what you want to do, which direction you're trying to go. And you know, 37 years old, I I should have been already knowing that, you know, but once that identity of being a soldier, a warfighter, whatever you are, after you've done that for so long, when it gets removed, I think that's when the problems start coming. Okay. Okay. Um, because the lifestyle and everything that you're used to gets turned upside down and now you no longer have a, a purpose, a, you know, anything like that. So you're dependent on that relationship with the military. I was dependent on the army and I didn't know it. I talked crap about the army every day I was in. I was like, man, I'm going to get out and do <laughs> better things, you know, but in the meantime, I have a good time, you know, so let's have fun. And I stayed and did it for so long. And then when it was time to get out, I was happy, pumped. That first day of freedom was a phenomenal thing. Uh, man, that first month, it was incredible. I didn't cut my hair. I didn't shave. It was a beautiful thing, you know? <laughs> and then, like, reality all kind of came in and was like, oh, man, I'm on my own now. You know, like, there's, there isn't that, that lifeline. There's, there's not, you know, um, a chain of command. There's not a recall roster. There's not a list of phone numbers for people you can call anytime there's an issue or anything like that. Right. Um, you're out there on your own. And it's the first time. For me, I had, I'd been in since I was, I went into boot camp when I was 18. Um, so for me, it was, I mean, that's pretty much all I knew, Yeah. you know, and my entire adult life was spent in the military, you know, and so you get out and everybody says, you know, PTSD is this killer and blah, blah, blah. And it is, it's, I'm not taking anything away from it, but it's not, that's not it in, in, in its entirety. Okay. Um, now it might be for some people, I can't speak, you know, in absolutes, you know, but PTSD for me isn't crazy movie flashbacks. It's not um, any, anything like that. There's no weird reactions. Maybe maybe a certain smell will trigger a memory, um, a car backfiring next to me if I'm not really kind of, I mean, you never expect it. But sometimes every now and then they're loud enough and sharp enough, it sounds about right, you know, and yeah. you kind of, you know. Get a little edgy. Yeah, yeah, you know, but it's never anything really crazy. But there is you know, something going on in your head, you know, where you're, you're trying to sort things out. And what happened with me is I got so wrapped up into trying to sort out the PTSD side of things and that it was all from warfare and everything like that. And it, and it's not the things that was wrong with me was not, it wasn't, it wasn't cause of the war because you're conditioned to expect it. Sure. There's certain events that happen inside the war that you can you know people develop ptsd from but if you look at it through its definition ptsd is like a traumatic event that happened um i guess it would take you by surprise something that's traumatic to you right so if you're conditioned every single day um to deal with gunshots to deal with you know um different medical things, you know, guys bleeding out of their legs or arms, shoulders, whatever, you know, how to treat that and respond immediately. When it happens, it's not traumatic. Yeah. It, you're just responding to the, you know, the event. Now there might be certain events where, you know, like we use, <clears throat> we could use this, this is the, this, this is the one that gets me. Um, when my buddy Mike got stabbed and killed, um, in Afghanistan, it never crossed my mind in a million years. I'm, the first person I killed in, Af- in Afghanistan was probably 10 feet away, but it never occurred to me that there would be knives involved. Sure. You know, like this is a gunfight. Yeah. What are we doing? You don't bring a knife to a gunfight, you know, if you want to be sneaky, you do, I guess. And that's, uh, that's what happened. And so it completely caught me off guard and just that one wrecked me for the longest. Um, but that's not, that's not the dilemma. That's not my problem getting out and I don't imagine that an incident like that is somebody else's problem getting out it's getting out and not and and just feeling alone right that I think that hits a lot harder than dealing with some traumatic stuff that happened during a war that you were conditioned and trained to react in okay okay um so that's what I'm doing now I have I haven't written anything in like 
Well, okay, so last week I was asleep all week because of a concussion. <laughs> but the week before that, I didn't write anything. And I've been actually working on this codependent, codependency workbook. Okay. Um, which is kind of funny because the whole thing's geared around like a woman dealing with a codependent relationship or her being codependent in the relationship. So when I fill out all the, everything, all the questionnaires and everything, I have to answer it as like, well, if my husband did this, and I, you know, so it's super funny, but I'm, I'm knocking that out. And, uh, man, every single day, every day I open that, it's just opening my eyes more and more Yeah. Um, to that relationship, man, that the military just kind of puts on guys kind of. Okay. So when, when you talk about codependency, right, I, I think of it in terms of like a relationship, right? When you talk about codependency in a military sense, right, so coming out and kind of having nobody there, what does that look like for you? And, and how, how, how would you recommend people to look at that coming out of the military? Right. So being fresh as they start to step out of the military and they're like, Hey, this freedom thing tastes, feels, looks, smells good. Everything's pretty about it. Right. But then when the reality sets in, right, what is the reality that, that you had set in that you're like, fucking hey, dude, this is, <laughs> this is not what I expected. Oh man. When that set in, it, it was, it had been at least a month because everything's so new, you know, when you get out, you know, cause it, you're institutionalized. It's like being in a prison. There's music that you don't even know about. There's so many things that you don't know about when you get out. Cause you're just inside this bubble. Um, so getting out into, you know, the free world, <laughs> you know, where you have <laughs> rights and stuff, um, managing that. Yeah. That is hard. Not having a task every single day, a mission every single day, or having dudes that, you know, you owe them something every single day, you know, if nothing else, just some kind of training. Right. You know, like there's always something every day that people rely on you for. And then after a month of not having that, you start to kind of go a little crazy. Yeah. Okay. What is my mission? What is my purpose? I need to do something. Um, and what I did I made a decision right when I got out was that I was going to be a professional hunter. I wanted to be a guide. I wanted to be a guide since I was a kid. Um, so I did that and I went and I kept my nose to the grind and I got it. And that's what I, what I started doing. And while I was actively engaged doing that, I didn't have any of the issues. I didn't have any problems. Um, it was when I wasn't doing anything, when I wasn't motivated, when I was kind of feeling down about everything, that's when everything kind of compiled. So the thing is, is with codependency is, is a person, they lose their identity, you know? So that's, that's the one thing right there that I would say to guys that are getting out or any kind of major life changes, just a change of career, anything like that. Um, man, <laughs> dude, I completely lost my train of thought. Uh, you were, uh, finding identity, getting out. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're good. <laughs> hey, concussion's coming back. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was a good concussion. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, finding that purpose, what you want to be, and then doing it, and then hanging on to it, because it's not always going to be there. Okay. COVID happened, and it made it really hard to get hunts and things like that. And so I kind of, man, I kind of slipped there in 2020 for a little bit, wasn't guiding as much, and just because things were hard, and then everything started compiling back on me. And I'd been out of the Army for, you know, two years at that point, and... I let that, that whole time period where I just kind of stopped grinding and stopped, I went, I just reverted right back to not knowing who I was and trying to find my thing. And then it got to the point where I was like, well, is even hunting even my thing, you know, like is guiding my thing or whatever, you know, and, and the more time you spend out of that environment, you kind of forget how much that you like it. Um, and that's kind of what got me started because I've been trying to figure out, I'm like, gosh, something wrong with me, you know, I'm like 37, trying to figure out life. Like, why, why am I trying to figure life out now at this point? And that's when I started doing all this research and kind of realizing that there is a lot of topics that the military doesn't address when you get out, you know, with their classes that they put you through, you know, to prepare you for society. Um, and so I kind of switched gears for a little bit and just really dove into that and have been working real hard um, as far as like getting my mental health right, which... Ugh, it's a nightmare, man. Oh yeah, it's like more steps back than forward. But I'm every familiar with yeah, that. dude, yeah. every step forward though is just like it's sweet. Yeah, it's so sweet, you know. But 
I started doing that, and that's when I started realizing that I had almost given up or slipped away from what what I loved and what you know, kind of who I am. And, yeah. And uh, started diving back into that, and just didn't look back, you know. And so, it's keeping me keeping me sane for now. Yeah. <laughs> so when you when you talk about um, kind of knowing that you wanted to be a guide and finding what you loved. Were you already aware that you loved hunting and wanted to be a guide? Like kind of coming out of the, you know, as you started to retire, right, going through the process, did you already have that goal in mind of getting there? Or is that something that came as you started to lose the sense of identity? Man, truth be told, I was going to get out and be a wildland firefighter. Yeah. So my whole, I don't, I don't ever care about the money. That's not what I'm in life for. I mean, I, I live the adventure lifestyle to a T. Everything I do is as hard and as fast as you can do it and as wild as you possibly can. That's how I like to live. So I was like, dude, I'm going to be a wildland firefighter. I tried to con my colonel into sending me to airborne school <laughs> so that I could come out and just go straight into smoke jumping so I'd at least have that experience already. Yeah. Um, and the first company I applied at called me and was like, yeah, you're hired. We, we'll definitely hire you. And I was like, oh, you know, that's, that's great. And they said, like, well, yeah, because you're, you're former military. We love you guys. You guys work like dogs in, you know, terrible environments. I was like, well, you didn't sell me on the job right there. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I'm not going to go be somebody's, you know. Yeah. I don't want to go work on a hand crew and just dig trenches, you right. know, forever. So right. I bailed on that. Um, and I knew I wanted to do something outdoors. I can't, I cannot possibly do something inside. And... My whole life growing up, when I was a kid, my dad would get the Cabela's magazines and everything. And I, there was one picture that always just stuck out in my mind. And it was this guy on a little Zodiac. He's in Alaska, and he's all geared up, and he's got everything in there. And it's just him, the water, nasty-looking stormy sky, and a mountain. Yep. And he's going. And I remember the caption. It was just it, it was a guide, whatever his name was, right? You know, setting off for, like, a blacktail hunt or something. And... uh I remember that picture, man. And I think, I don't remember much from my childhood because it was pretty crazy. Um, but I think I was like eight when I saw that picture. And that's what it was. I was like, that's it. I've been wanting to do that since I was a kid. Like, yeah. I'm going to be a guide. And I looked around and was like, okay, how do I, how do, I do this? What do I, I got to do to become this? And if you're going to be a guide in the West, you have to know how to pack mules. Yeah. You absolutely have to. So I went to a school in Montana. Um, the GI Bill covered it. Really? Yeah, so I went and stayed in a wall tent, Montana, and learned how to pack mules. That's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> Free of charge. And yeah, Larry Kais is the guy that runs it. Phenomenal guy. He's a vet, too. Um, he fought in Vietnam. He's a incredible human being. Yeah. Um, but uh, learned so much over there. And from his program, before I was even done, I'd already had people ask, you know, offer me jobs. I was hired before I even left the school. Um, I mean, that's how legit this guy's program is. That's like that, good. The outfitters know him. Yeah. You know, they yeah. call him asking for people that are graduating. It's pretty unreal. They, even um, TV shows doing like survival shows. Oh, yeah. Call him and that's, ask for guys. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. Yeah. He, he does have a, he has a student or had a student uh, who was a former sniper. He's probably not currently in a show right now, but he was. They were recording one while uh, while I was in the school. That's awesome. So he was pretty proud of that. Because packing mules, what, what is... I know, I know what it is, but like, why is there a school for it? And well, yeah, okay. So packing mules—that's, I mean, that's a skill that back in the day everybody could do, but now, kind of a lost art. Yeah, nobody knows how to do. It. I didn't, I didn't know. You know, I just thought you just had bags on the side of a right. mule and you just threw stuff in there. I, you know, I didn't understand that there would be fifty-two different hitches that I would have to learn how to tie. And, really? Yeah, and that you know. I don't know why weight never crossed my mind because mm -hmm. it's a mule. I just figured they could carry everything. <laughs> you but, just need one. Yeah, right. So <laughs> figuring all that out. And then a lot of it is just um, a lot of um, just knowing how to respond to these stinking mules because you'll have a string of them. Sometimes you'll have, I've pulled a string of 13. Okay. And they all have different personalities. They are all jerks they you know like they will step on you given the opportunity you know like and so learning learning all that and larry just he just throws you into it yeah like, there is not like i think it was like day one he had me packing a mule that was like 
17 and a half hands tall, which is their backs over my head. Holy shit. Yeah, okay. this thing was a monster. I had no idea that they'd get that big. Oh, dude, enormous. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that was like day one or two. Like, he just throws you, and he's like, <laughs> no, no, you either going to make it or you're not, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and that was great, just immersing you into it and forcing you to just be comfortable being around an animal that large with possibly a crap attitude. Right. <laughs> um, but, no, mules never – actually, I've never been hurt by a mule – Horses are the ones that, because mules do, they have, um, they're tough. They're really? tough. They don't spook real easy, man. Like, if there's a bear close they don't by. Really give a fuck. No, no. <laughs> a horse, a horse will, it doesn't matter if it's a draft horse, which is massive, they just blow up. Really? And, you know, unless it's been conditioned, you know, to be around them, horses, man, they just, because they, they don't have that fight or flight instinct. They just have the flight instinct. And it is terrifying when they get scared and you're on them. You know? <laughs> and mules are like, ah, oh, fuck. I yeah. Don't care. No, dude, they don't. Cause they're just like, no, I'll just stomp them into the mud. <laughs> yeah, they do, man. They protect the herd. Yeah. They're tough. That's cool. Um, but yeah, no, that was a great school. That was the best thing that I did. Um, that, that set me up to get where I wanted to get to, um, and to continue doing what I, what I love doing. Yeah. Yeah, so you ended up not going down the the wildland firefighter because you're like, I'm not digging trenches. Yeah, no. You went and started packing mules. Yeah. And, and like, I guess so guiding, right? You see this picture, you get the idea of guiding, you want to go to the storm. How did mules come up? Like, I mean, I know that they're obviously super related. They go hand in hand. For people that don't know, that seems kind of like a left field thing. It is, it is, because it's something that I didn't actually even think about going into it. Um, and I'd always seen pictures of, like, you know, guys packing goats and llamas and right. stuff to elk hunt. And I just was always like, nah, eh, that's kind of funny, you know, whatever. I just put it on my back. And, uh, and then I started kind of getting deeper into the hunting thing and seeing, like, okay, well, dude, you kill an elk even three miles in. That's rough. Yeah. That is rough. And a three mile hike is not a hard hike. No. But you got a dead elk and you got to go three miles. It's miserable. Yeah. <laughs> you and know? you got to do it four times with 90 pounds of pack. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, so they do go hand in hand. And it's not something that you even think of unless you're in that environment. Mm -hmm. Never crossed my mind. I was looking for some sort of certification. I thought there would be a certification to get to be a guide. There's not. You just have to be able to prove yourself and okay. have the, the abilities. Um, and so. That's what I found when I started searching for that certification was it was all packing, all packing. And uh, I will say this about the packing world. It is 2021. We don't have to use the same hitches we used in like 1700. <laughs> you know, there's better ways now. Um, <laughs> like, you know, it, there, it's, it is a thing that's it's really deep in tradition, though. Um, and, and it's really cool when you see, when you have a pack string and everything's all mannied up, which means wrapped up in uh, canvas and then tied up correctly. And then, you know, all the knots are done up to tie it to the saddle, where you, whether you're doing like a sawbuck and you're putting diamonds on there or, you know, a deck or whatever. Um, and you got that whole string looking like you're, cruising around like the railroad in the yeah, yeah. yeah dude it's <laughs> it's a cool feeling to be back in the back country with you and just a huge string of mules behind you like that and uh, oh, it's 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 just unreal it's pretty satisfying dude it really is yeah. man that sounds like a lot of work so how how oh, so much dude. Dude, well i mean like i'm just thinking like one that's that's a lot to go learn it's fucking time consuming like i can't even imagine how long it takes to pack you know, because canvas isn't super easy to work with, right. right? And I can't imagine packing 13 mules up and being like, okay, here's, you know, 10 days worth of stuff, you Dude, know, on these animals. Hours of work. Yeah. So how did that play into kind of breaking the the uh, the codependency? Man, so that gave me like, that gave me my point. That gave me my mission, my task. Okay. Um, and... I'm, I'm the kind of guy that's, I, I got a lot of initiative. Sometimes it needs to be redirected. Sure. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> um, like good initiative, bad judgment, that kind of thing, yep. you know? So this gave me the op opportunity. Um, I lucked out and I got hired on with an outfit that only had one guide who happened to also be the manager. Um, so I was the other guide and, a, and packer. Usually you would just be a packer first, um, prove yourself as a packer and then be a guide. I was fortunate enough to be able to do both. 
Um, and you know, I, I guess I proved to, um, to Johnny that I wasn't a complete moron because right off the jump, he was fine with just having me send, you know, take a string of mules to the trailhead for a resupply and run back and forth. And that gave me this, um, right. So you have a mission, you got to get to the trailhead. You got to get that, you know, whatever supplies it is, right. Feed for the horses, whatever it could be, and then get back. So that's the task your help is animals you know what I mean? <laughs> so and they respond exactly how you make them respond okay you know it's they they feed off of your energy everything that 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 is about you dude it translates straight into them it's yeah. crazy um so going on these long treks alone with these horses trying to keep everybody happy going on these cliff faces where the trails as wide as their hooves are yep making sure nobody wants to freak out and blow up about a mountain lion or a, you know, bear or anything like that. It kind of put, cause it's dangerous. Yeah. That's what I think what draws me most to it. <laughs> right. So yeah. Yeah. It kind of gives you that same feeling that maybe a guy like me is looking for that adrenaline, you know, that he had got so much from the military and now that's gone, so he's kind of bored. <laughs> you know, that right. gave me that adrenaline um, because there are incidents, man. I got thrown off the side of the mountain once, like tore my Achilles tendon. Like it was bad. Like things do happen out there. Where you, it don't matter how bad you think you are in the woods. They're still going to break. Oh, man, there's something. Something's going to happen, and you're going to get hurt somehow. There's nobody that's too bad for the mountains, you know. Um, so that helped me get over the codependency part. <laughs> For a while <laughs> yeah and then uh you know and then didn't have a lot of work and slipped into it and this time instead of just well this time i know what it is yeah before i didn't so how maybe before you go there quick question how what did it look like uh slipping back into it right so and i'm asking this because you just also said that you knew that it was happening, right? Did you come to a point where you recognized what that codependency looked like? I had never even heard of the word codependency. Okay. Until my wife, um, Ramey, brought it up. And we did a little research. She did. She did a little research. <laughs> Cause I wasn't still on board, you know, I was still just kind of going through like, uh, it's just PTSD you're, stuff. You're I'm you. fine. It yeah. don't matter, you know, whatever. And, and she looked it up and was like, started asking me questions. It was just like, it speaks for itself, man, yeah. you know? And, and it does hundred percent. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> she's the one that got, got that, uh, codependency workbook that I've been working on. Okay. She picked that up and man, just been plugging away and, uh, I didn't, how do I say, I didn't know I was slipping into codependency, but what it was, was I slipped into a crazy depression, man. Okay. Um, and I didn't realize it was even a depression at first, but I did notice I was losing weight and I lost a lot of weight. I went from, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you wouldn't even, you can't even tell by looking at me, but I do compete in powerlifting. Um, and I have, uh, won out pretty well here in Idaho for a few years now. <laughs> and, uh, what I, I usually weigh around 175 and I would cut to like 160 for the meets. And this past, uh, January I cut, um, for the state and dude, I never, it never came back on really? and I kept losing weight kept losing i dropped all the way down to like 148 pounds holy man. crap yeah like that's like you and i are about built about the same and that is not healthy no man it was ugly like just bony um and i hadn't weighed that for i can't remember when yeah. you know um <laughs> man i spent a lot of time just sitting in the bathroom trying to figure out like <laughs> not taking a dump or anything just like that would be, that's where I went, Yeah, you know, where I could close the door and just be alone. Right. Um, with my emotions and just could not, I would just sit there and be like, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I so sad? Why do I like, what is going on? And, uh, dude, it is, it's that codependency to a T. Okay. 
this, I, there is, there is sadness. Like a lot of people get, you know, anger, sadness, different things like that from PTSD, which, and it is all warranted. Absolutely. Um, and I 100% have a tremendous amount of sadness in my heart from, you know, the things that I had seen overseas. And, and we spoke about it the last time, you know, especially with the civilians, that stuff just tore me up inside. Um, but it's, you throw that with the codependency where you start getting depressed because you don't know who you are anymore. And you used to like how, how I always spoke was like, I used to be somebody like, what, is, what am I now? I'm not even, I'm nothing. I used to be somebody. And I'd say that all the time. Um, the sadness compounded off of the PTSD from that and the depression from the codependency with the military and not having that anymore. And, and, and I never realized that I was so, so dependent on an organization that I just didn't really care for by the time I got out. Um, and that's, that's, that's going to be a thing that, I mean, I got, you know, a bunch of my dudes that have gotten out or are thinking about getting out. They're all hitting me up about the same thing. And, and, you know, back in the glory days, we would have never said anything like this to each other, you know, but dude, we've all got like crazy anxiety now. We've all got, you know, this weird depression bouts we deal with, you know, but it's good because we're not above speaking to each other about it. Yeah. And that's what I think is the most important thing because at least when champ calls me, I know, I know it's, it's going to be an emotional call, but I know it's going to be something that he needs, you yeah. know, or something that I need, you know, you never know. Um, so you just kind of maintain these at least small groups if you can. I think that's the best bet that you can do and have people you can talk to. Yeah. A lot of guys get out and they just, that's it. They don't even talk to anybody that they were in with. And, and I, I'm guilty of that. You know, I've served with so many people and the only, and I still, I only talk to probably like maybe six or seven of the guys that I actually served with. Yeah. Um, but you got to hold on to that stuff, you know? Yeah. You really do. How, uh, how did you guys get, because you said in the glory days, right? Never would have said these things. How did you guys get comfortable or get to the point where you're like, yeah, okay, this is a normal conversation we need to have? Did it just happen? Yeah, it wasn't a decision. It was years after. It wasn't even like immediately during or anything like that. But you do, when you spend so much time, just um, it's like your hunting partner, right? You spend so much time with these people, you know, in austere environments and going through just bad times together that you build these bonds, right? Um, and so you might not talk for a year, but dude called, you know, champ, man. <laughs> I was open. I think I was open about it first because I was the first one, like out of all of my group of friends to get out. Mm -hmm. It was just like, Hey guys, Hey, heads up. I thought I had a heart condition. Turns out I have anxiety. <laughs> True story, dude. I really thought I was going to have a heart attack. I was like, oh, I think I have a heart condition because it never crossed my mind that I would have anxiety. Yeah, the panic time, attacks. Yeah, you know, the whole time I was in the Army, it's like, yeah, let's get it done. Let's go. Signing up to do the dumbest, craziest things, you know, always just go get just every single, everything I could get my hands on. And, you know, it just felt untouchable. Like, I don't have PTSD. I don't have anything. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm a warfighter. That's what I do. You know, and this is what I deal with and it's not a big deal. And, you know, it's the same as a, you know, paper pusher. That's what they do. It's no different. And I didn't even buy off into any of the mental health stuff. I didn't. It's like me and my boys, we just, yeah, let's just go to the gym and let's go, you know, train to kill people. And then when it's time to go, let's go kill people. And let's just, that's it. That's what life is. Right. And when I got out, all this stuff started happening. And I was like, oh, you guys are getting out soon. Let me tell you what's <laughs> happening. All right. Because this is really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's cool because I was really nervous to bring it up to him um, because, you know. Ooh. Yeah, they're going to be like, dude, you're a pussy. Right? right? Yeah. yeah. And, and my buddy Champ was the first person I, I uh, um, started talking to about anxiety. And thank God, he, he just, on the other end of the phone, I hear him. Yeah, I got that too, man. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> like, it's not just me. You know? <laughs> oh, That's funny. Yeah, it's always funny because, like, I feel like I can sympathize with, like, talking to people about the mental health stuff, right? Like, at first you're like, do I want to say anything? Like, right. am I the weak one? Whatever. And then you start talking to folks and they look at you and they're like, they, like, look around like, is anybody else here? 
mm-hmm. okay, yeah, dude, like we're on the same, yeah, page, right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, uh, it's kind of fun because, like, I've noticed over the past year doing this, right, that like a lot of people are in the same boat. Like, it's so common, dude. Like, it's it's it is the norm for people to feel like lost or fucked up or whatever. It's like. Dude, like the world's not a the world is not a happy go lucky place. Like whatever <laughs> oh, you see on the internet, whatever you see, like like it is not it is not nice to people, you know. And like some people, like everybody has shit that they're going through, right? And it affects everybody different. Like I heard somebody say, I think I was listening to like part of a Jocko podcast, and he said everybody has their Vietnam, right? Yeah. And everybody's got something they've experienced, right? And you can't knock anybody for how they're feeling or why. Right. You know? But anyways. So as you started to talk to your buddies and, like, I guess you started to say that you slipped down into it, dropped a ton of weight, sitting in the bathroom, what got you back up through all of that? Well, still not out of the woods yet. Okay. I'm still working on that. Um, I am making steps in the right direction and I'm loving that. What I've, what I've done and it's kind of, I don't know. I write, um, okay. I'm so ignorant with this mental health stuff. Mm. I am incredibly ignorant. So (laughs) everything that I have learned that might sound a little bit, you know, literate or smart is because of my wife. (laughs) Ramey's incredible. (laughs) Um, and something that she kind of has showed me you know, to do is to write, um, like affirmations. Um, and I write those on the mirror and just things that I say to myself every single day, you know, um, like one of them is my happiness isn't based off of the energy around me. Um, that's something that, you know, that's one of, I think I have 10 up there, um, to kind of just remind me every day that just because somebody else is, is a shit doesn't mean that I have to be just because this is happening. Doesn't mean it has to affect me. Like I can just be happy and exist and go about my day, you know, instead of dwelling on, you know, things that I can't change. Um, accepting that, just like, like, like AA, man, <laughs> accepting <laughs> the things that you can't change. Like, that's a huge thing. Um, another big one that, that um, I needed to know and really, really hit home, and I feel like a lot of guys do, um, is, is that you cannot live off past accomplishments. Yeah. That hit me so hard because I – I cruised through the military. I, that was, that was my, I was good at it, you know? So I cruised through it. I got, you know, just a ton of different awards for different things. And just, you know, I, I really, really got after it in the military. And when I got out, not having that, but having still that sense of pride, like that I did all these things. Do not know who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But who cares who you are? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't make me any better than anybody else over there. And that's something that I didn't realize. I came out of the military with, like, this air about myself that I was, like, something awesome. No, nah, man. Got <laughs> just another another dude out in the world, you know? <laughs> and it, it was a hard thing to, to accept. And uh, <laughs> once you do, though, I think it kind of sets you up so that you can move in the right direction in the real world. Yeah. What, uh, what helped you accept that? I mean, you said you're still not out of the woods, so I'm sure that that probably comes up occasionally. Dude, I don't let that one anymore. No. I refuse to like, because it was, I was, you know, I, it, in my apartment I had like, because I got, I got divorced right after I got out you're of the like army. High and mighty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got like all my you're awards like, this and is shit my up there. Wall. Yeah. It's like, man, look at all that cool shit I did. You know, hell yeah. And then I'm like looking at, I'm like, I don't mean a damn thing to anybody. You don't mean a damn thing to anything around here. It's not going to help my success now. Yeah. Reliving glory days. Like this is an awesome chapter I had in my life. It's really fun. Got some cool stories, some good experiences. You know, some bad experiences. Whatever. A lot of life experience though, and it's time to move on from it yeah and that's a hard that's hard man because i did it for almost 15 years um so that that was that was tough that that was <laughs> helped with the depression um i came out of the military with a plan uh <laughs> that plan blew up in my face immediately <laughs> like immediately yeah and i didn't have a backup plan um so that kind of that kind of hurt but I would say now, man, I am, I'm doing like so much better than I was, even than the last time we spoke. 
I was, man, going through it. Yeah. It was hard. Yeah. Um, well, that was a tough time yeah, in general. It was. You're yeah. right. Um, I feel like it's going to be a thing I work on for a few years, though. Yeah. It's not something that I'm just going to, like, overnight be done. Yeah. But as long as I'm making moves in the right direction every single day, mm-hmm. that's all I'm trying to do. And I think that's a super important thing, right, to, to take note of is that none of the things that you've done, I'm assuming, have been an overnight thing. Right. Yeah. Because how long how long is it taken for you to kind of go through some of these exercises and kind of recognize these things to get to a point where you're comfortable writing these affirmations on the wall and actually believing them? Right. So I got out in 2018. So it's been since then. And I have maybe, dude, is it two, almost two and a half years before I started kind of embracing that maybe there was something wrong with me and that maybe I should start doing this kind of work and maybe take the steps in the right direction. Yeah. That, that was the hardest part. Um, but once I started, I just, and it's the same way I do anything. I just embrace these things right. and I just go all in. And if it's something that's going to help me, that's what I'm, that's what I'm interested in now. Um, I got, you know, different counselings and things set up. I'm looking for self-improvement. That's what I'm looking for nonstop now. And I think that's, that's the path, man. Okay. What, uh, was there something that helped you get started down this self-improvement path? I mean, was there oh, like man. a You're looking super... for the incident, huh? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, yeah. I'm looking for like Dude. guys that might be in a boat like you that they're like, this is all great, Kevin. Like, this is cool. But like, like you don't know, like I, I'm so fucked up that like getting to this point, like I, I'm too Dude. far gone. Man. All right. And we, we don't have to go down any yeah, route. We, no, we can because it is a thing, man. Um, I was that dude. I was that guy in the unit. I, that's, that's fucking Sergeant Monroe. That's the dude. He's got his shit together. Follow him wherever he fucking goes. Do what he does. That's, that's what I was, man. And when I got out, I didn't tell you. When I sat in the bathroom, man, I sat there and thought about killing myself the whole time. whole time. I'd sit in there with my pistol some days, some days I wouldn't, you know, and it's just, and I would just, I don't even know, cry, think about how bad everything was, you know, and that's, and just, and dwell on it. And it would just oh, consume me, man. And I hated it. And, uh, it's just something had to give, you know, I was either going to get better or I was going to get worse and I didn't want to get worse, you know? Yeah. Um, dark, dude. <laughs> and it, and it's not something that you just go through and then it just goes away either. Like I went through that, thought I had it beat and felt like I wasn't suicidal or anything, but I had built in automatic negative responses in my mind already. So when shit would happen, I'd be like, man, I should just fucking kill myself. Yeah. Right. Those negative responses immediately would come up. And so <laughs> thanks again to my wife <laughs> for identifying <laughs> that <laughs> or at least letting me know that that's a thing, right? Yeah. Like being aware, just, just knowing what the different tactics your body does to, to sabotage you pretty much, you know, learning that and then being able to identify and erase it or reverse it. That's, you know, that's, that's the trick. Yep. But I slipped into that. And I came out and I thought everything was great and everything was cool. And because I had those automatic negative responses built into my mind, dude, I drifted right back into it. And that one, that one was bad. That one was like, that was to the point where I, I was like legitimately, I, I, I got scared, man. So I don't know if that means that I was legitimately suicidal or not, but I was scared because I was afraid of what I was going to do. Sure. Um, and uh, got good dudes in your corner to talk to. You need that um, acceptance and openness, man. <laughs> like, if you can just accept that there is something wrong with you, you're gonna be more receptive to looking, you know, um, to to find the answers, to find the help that you need. And 
me being suicidal the first time wasn't even about being out of the military or anything. It's because I had seen, um, I was watching a documentary about um, ISIS. And I like to watch those, you know. Can, you know, I contribute quite a bit to that. Um, and one of them showed, uh, like, one of the one of the strikes that happened at uh, one of the schools there. That was supposed to be like the intel came in that said that it was a uh, like a command center. The uh, UAVs overhead didn't see anybody going in or out, you know, this area. And it's the documentary said they spun it around saying that it was just like civilians living inside there. So when we struck it, that's at this point, I couldn't even tell you the truth. Sure. But when I saw that on the documentary, I was just like, I took that completely for what it was worth or for like scripture yeah. like it was the, that was the truth as opposed to what i had known in 2016 when i assisted with that yeah um and so all i knew is that or felt that i was you know responsible for hurting all these civilians with an, an intel error um and i didn't have anybody i was um I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I didn't have anybody at the time. I was, I was new here. I didn't have any friends here. All my friends were still in the army and that was the hardest one because I felt so responsible for that. And that's, that's where you get me, man. Like I don't, I got no remorse for anything that happens to a man, <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yeah, but if when it comes to women and children, bro, it just wrecks me, man. I can't, I don't even know. I can't turn a blind eye to it. So that one just, I just needed somebody. I didn't have anybody. Yeah. But I, you know, I had my kids and so I'd get them every other weekend and I just held on to that, you know, like that's why I wanted to, I was like, that's why I got to be alive. I'm gonna hold on to that. You know, my kids need me, whatever. Um, that one took a long time. It took a really long time. But no longer trying to smoke myself. That's good. Yeah. That's happy good. to be around, happy to be alive, <laughs> doing awesome stuff, you know, having fun, trying not to uh, hurt myself too bad anymore. But yeah, it's just one of those things, man. You can, you feel like you're on top of the world. Mental health it'll let you know real quick that you're not. Yep. You know, do you go through uh, cycles where the depression comes back up and, and I mean, you're not trying to smoke yourself anymore, but does it get pretty bad? It, it not, not like it did. No, but I do. I think, I think they're really like, big shallow <laughs> waves that I hit. Yeah. Um, cause it's not the deep spikes anymore. Like, and the, you know, you know, up and downs it's, I'll just be chilling, chilling, feeling good. I'm like, ah, man, I'm a little bummed out. Yeah. And I identify it as fast as I can. And I put a name a, a word to it. And so it's labeled and now it's a thing that I can look at objectively rather than just treat like that is me, yep. you know? And yep. once I do that, then I can start kind of picking myself up and it takes me a long time because I'm really ignorant when it comes to <laughs> mental health. <laughs> and then I, and then I come out of it and I hang out for a little while. Yeah. You know? So you said Ramey's helped you out a lot. Oh my God. That. dude! Is she like the, the staple for it? Or you said you got other counselors. I mean, is it? Yeah, but they all suck. So she okay. is like it. Yeah. And what's awesome is dude, she had done all this research into mental health. Like, years and years of research before we even met so it was like when we met she is so equipped to deal with a moron <laughs> like me like where she just be like oh i know what's wrong with you here we can do this and this and this and this and you're good to go you know? that's awesome dude, were you pretty like receptive to that where you're like okay cool yeah well because by the time we met um i had just <laughs> somehow ruined everything good in my life <laughs> you know? and so that was a good thing in my life and I saw it and was just like I need to hold on to this and the first few times you know she would say things and I would always just kind of think funny you know like ah, oh, she feels a lot of things that's funny yeah. you know and, but that was it I was like oh she's just cute she feels a lot of things you know? <laughs> and just hearing it and being around it more and more I was like 
she's smart as hell. (laughs) (laughs) And it took a little while, man. It took probably, man, probably a year being around it and just, you know, hearing the different things and, you know, because you avoid that at all costs in the military, dude. You're like, and they tell you, everybody, they're like, no, it's not a sign of weakness. If you need help, get help, you know? Yeah, but really. Yeah, but really, if you get help, <laughs> you can go work <laughs> in the barracks, man, you know? So you don't. And being receptive to, you know, like, okay, yeah, help isn't a weakness. It's it's actually really common, you know? that yeah. that That's been huge. So of all the things then that you've learned with Ramey and over the past couple of years, kind of, you know, coming from the pretty deep lows, right. And being able to kind of pick and identify like, Hey, I'm feeling this because of this reason, put a name to it. What are the, the biggest things like the tools in your toolbox that you feel like guys should know throughout any fucking weird situation they find themselves in? Dude, that one that you said last right there, putting a name on it. Cause that is like the number one for me that's been the number one tool being like oh man i feel like shit i'm like oh that's depression fuck you depression i'm not depressed you know like identifying it making it its own thing yeah and then trying to you know that way you can navigate it now you know what it is now you can do whatever you need to do to get around it over it under it through it whatever you got to do yeah that I, i love that tool um and then another tool, this one goes with anxiety because I don't care how, how bad you are. You'd be Tim Kennedy. Tim Kennedy's probably got anxiety. We all got anxiety. You know what I mean? <laughs> At some point. Um, knowing that it's anxiety for, first, because for me it was weird. It would start in like my fingertips and it would like be like this weird fluttery feeling. And then it would just like wave, wave over my whole body. Yep. And I thought it was like a blood constriction thing so i dude i thought it was a heart problem so it would freak me out even more (laughs) and it was just this nightmare um but a trick um i'd like to just pick a color the second it starts you know hitting and i just look around around the room and be like all right cool i'm looking for things that are blue blue things and you start focusing on that and that'll man it about wipes that anxiety out Mm. like if you can get to it soon enough Cause you're just redirecting your mind. You're, yeah. You're taking it off of whatever is causing that anxiety, which might be subconsciously. You might not even be something you're aware of, but if you're putting your focus onto other things and I like the color trick, so that's what I do. Um, man, dude, it goes away and you can function like you wouldn't even believe. Hmm. And it's so weird, man, having these problems and having to identify all this kind of stuff and do all this <laughs> going from who I, who I was in the army to what I, <laughs> to where I am now, <laughs> you know, like there's, there's no way them dudes would be like, that's, that's not the same guy. Yeah. That's, that's not him. <laughs> so how, how, how long did it take for you to like get like, I guess skilled at being able to be, pick out like, okay, this is anxiety. I'm feeling it because this is the trigger and I'm picking green today and this is what I'm rolling with. How long did that take? I took like a year and a half yeah. of like just bad anxiety attacks and, and assuming that it was this weird issue and only talking to my friends and hearing the exact same things they had was like, Oh, Oh, that's anxiety. You know? Okay. Yeah. Um, a year and a half to identify that it was anxiety, probably another three or four months to figure out a trick to deal with it. Yep. Um, and something that I do, or try to do is at least just take note of where I am, what I'm doing when it happens. It hasn't really like worked out for me to where I can find specific triggers. Cause it just randomly will just hit me just, yeah. But I'm trying to find those. Um, other people have had great success with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, I would definitely recommend doing that. Finding triggers. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I know that word's like, it's a snowflake word. It is, it man. Is. But it's a thing, though. It is right? a thing. It's real. It is. Yep. And that's that was that's a big part of it's the egos, man. Yep. Egos get in the way of fixing your mental health. And mine did. I'd let myself turn into a complete monster. Yeah. And then turn suicidal before I even accepted <laughs> that maybe there might be a problem with mental health. You know? Right. Like, man. But. Yeah, I can, I can relate with the tools. So like my OCD, right? Like I've, I've recorded a couple like stories and stuff with like my OCD. Cause over the years, like I've done some weird shit. Like, like I've genuinely got like OCD, right? Like I've seen a therapist for, 
either a counselor or a therapist off and on for like 14 years, I think now. Right. You know, and uh, over the past three years, like when Eric and I first started dating is when I changed to therapist and I actually started like hitting it like hard. And I've had to learn to like, like at one point, like I had to kind of separate like my anxiety from myself. Cause at one point, like there was no difference, right? It was like me and then my demon, right? Like I legit had like, and like over, over time it took 18 months, right? I think is what Eric and I talked about 18 months for me to separate like my thoughts from like, I call it like the big black beast, right? The demon in my head. Right. And it took 18 months to separate it in my head to be able to say, these are my thoughts. This is like my anxieties. So that whenever my anxieties come up, it's like, Okay, cool. I'm feeling this way because of this trigger. This is the thing that happened, right? Nobody's nobody's at fault, right? Like that was always the thing is like, you know, my anxieties would latch onto all sorts of different shit and being able to be like, hey, I'm feeling this way for this reason. Nobody did anything wrong. I can't think about it. I can't have the negative reaction that you were talking about because if I fight it, I'm giving the demon the power, right? Yeah. When if I just look at it and be like, yeah, fuck you, dude, like... I don't have time for this today. Like I actually got to go to work. We've got bills. Like, so I can't be distracted. You know, it took, it took 18 months for us to kind of figure out all these different tools and tricks and things like, cause I, you know, my OCD never took me down the suicidal path, but I definitely would like lock up. Like there were times that I would be at work and I'd have to go into a conference room and I would like sit in the corner and cry and lock up and have to write and I would be so fucking mad at nothing just because yeah. it's like, I can't think dude. And, uh, ended up having to like figure out all these different t- tips and tricks and rules and things that I could use to kind of like navigate out of. So it's such a monster, man, dude, it's not fun. No, it's not. And like you said, just bringing up that it's a snowflake word. Man. Yeah. Dude. But like, it's the sooner we can all like just accept you know, that, that there's real things that, yeah. that cause problems, you know, that if you do identify it and work around them or alleviate it completely, yeah, things are better. Dude, and that and, like, I imagine, like, Amy's probably, like, Erica, where it's like, hey, once you get them identified, right, and you're like, hey, moment of transparency, this is going to be really hard for me to say, you know, these are the things that are, like, you know, really that, that trigger me, right? Like, these are things that, like, I, I have a very difficult time coping with. Then they can help with that. Yeah. Right. Like there's things Erica knows that like, like I'll put up with a lot, but there's a couple things that it's like, Hey, if we could just not do these things or we could not talk about these things or have these things happen or prepare for them, my life will be so much easier. And she's like, okay, that's fine. It's good to know. Yeah. Otherwise, like we would have accidentally found ourselves in some situation that you would have been pissed off for two weeks. You know? <laughs> Man. I love hearing that I'm not the only one. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh no! I've got. I. I mean, I could probably rattle off a list of things that I. I know that just like, for instance, so like we haven't been to jujitsu. I haven't been to jujitsu in a while, right? Mm-hmm. But like one of the things that will like set me off is if you bring a dirty gi into the house, and you put it on the washer. Right. The wash like on top or excuse me on top of the dryer. Yeah, right. Because yeah. that's where I fold clothes. So if you put a dirty gi where I put clean clothes, I'm fucking frustrated. Oh, man. Because otherwise I got to, like, take it <laughs> off and I got to Clorox wipe everything, which then, like, in the back of my mind, like, you touch the handle where, like, that's, again, where I touch, like, clean handle, clean hand, clean clothes. You know, like, it's just this whole slew of things. So it's, yeah, like, it's like one thing, it's like, hey, either you leave it at the door right here or you just put it in the washer. And then I don't have to like think, that's it. and then I'll have to think about it. Right. But it's like, <laughs> if it touches anything else, like I'm a germaphobe, like that fucking will like, whew. that's it. It's so funny. It's just the dumbest thing, you know, but it's like, whew, she knows. <laughs> that's so funny, dude. That's, yeah. I, I won't cook breakfast if the kitchen's a mess, dude. And even like the night before I'll be looking at it and I know I should clean it. I'm like, I'll just do it in the morning. Nope. I wake up. I'm like, nobody's eating. Fuck it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to work. <laughs> We're getting donuts. <laughs> <laughs> It drives me crazy, man. Yeah, I get that. I How get many that. meals I've missed because <laughs> because the kitchen was dirty. Yeah, and all I had to do was clean like a couple plates. Yeah, <laughs> nope. I one hundred percent get that. Yeah. Um. But anyways, man. So you're uh, you you've been working on a book now. Yeah. Okay. So what's the book? The book. I don't have a good name for it, but I'm kind of going through and identifying everything that I've run into issues with that didn't get identified 
um, or addressed when I went to all the different like reintegration classes, um, you know, cause I did the Marine Corps and the army. So I've been through both of theirs, um, separation classes and everything that they put you through. And, you know, there's, a, there's a slew of topics and I, and I know I brought it up before, but a really big one is what do you do now that you're not in an environment that glorifies a body count? Yeah. Like that, what does that even mean to, to a human being anymore? You know, like that's like, it turns into this achievement into this weight yeah. that you, that you take with you and, and how to deal with that. Um, and you, you can be the baddest dude in the world and it cannot affect you. And you could say you're the hardest, you know, whatever, you know, and I don't care who you are. The Vikings were probably a little bit bad shit crazy because of all the people they killed. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, it is perfectly fine for a human being to, to have to do all that and then have it, have problems. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't, that's, I don't want to divulge too much. Okay. That's um, fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like that one, but I don't want to. That's good. That's good. But you're working on a book that, yeah, yeah. that's designed to kind of navigate some of the shit that you weren't able to, to get immediate help on. Right. Okay. Um, and we'll see, you know, like it, I'm not, I don't even care if it's sells as long as it gets in the hands of just somebody who needs it yeah that would be phenomenal okay. you know or if all it does if nothing else all it does is just help me guide myself through my own path and sorting everything out and the book never sells or anything you know like just bombs that's cool yeah i'm good with that you too. did it for you yeah that's good yeah do you have like a targeted date that you're trying to get her done by or just <laughs> as it happens every time i think i'm like oh man i bet i could get it done by this time like well now i gotta do a bunch of research here so now I'm, i've got i'm doing the codependency workbook and i'm reading the book the tribe right now <laughs> like, yeah just as i go and i and i I don't know. I've never written a book before, but I feel like that's it's probably not a bad way to do it. Like, cause as I go, I'm hitting topics where I'm like, Oh man, I don't know enough about this to write on. So I, I'm putting it on kind of the back burner, but doing research. Yeah. Um, and I think it's working pretty well for me Yeah. Uh, rather than just typing pages at a time and then reading it the next day and deleting it. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I could see that being pretty kind of fun from like the reader standpoint, kind of like, I bet you just kind of thinking about it, it'll be kind of fun to go read it you know, and whenever you get it done and kind of see your personal growth through it too. Right. It's almost kind of like reading Man, yeah. like a biography of you as you learn too, right. Where it's like, you know, Hey, Kevin started at this point, you could tell like, you know, this is where he was like really starting to figure stuff out. And then like, as he goes, he's like, Oh fuck, he's got this new tool and yeah. Oh shit. He learned this new thing. Like, it, you know, it'd be kind of this cool little, like, it linear. will be like a progression. Kind yeah. Of, you know, that is cool. I didn't think about it like that, but it'd be kind of fun to think, you know, read through it and be like, Oh dude, like yeah. now, now look at him. Like he's over here being this <laughs> crazy speaker talking on the top of the mountains. Man. I mean, I, I hope so. I hope it comes out to be something great. What? It, it wasn't initially what I wanted to write about. I've always wanted to write um, kind of like an autobiography, but just, dude, I, I got lucky. I got thrown in just extraordinary situations in the military yeah. through no, like I didn't do it. I just happened to be there just, and it just always happened like that. So I've got like this massive amount of these ridiculous, like shouldn't be alive stories. And that's what <laughs> I was like. It's like, these are going to be so fun to write, you know, and this is going to be the coolest book, but that's just I've, I've sat down and tried writing that so many times and it just, yeah, it's not it. That's not the one. No, that's not where your heart sings at. Yeah. I mean, it is, but it's still, I, I really don't like the, the, Hey, look at me books that, yeah. you know, guys will come and write. You can do stuff like that in the third person, you know, <laughs> that's true. That's I mean, true. even if it's just one of those things that you don't try and sell, I mean, it could be just a weird word memoir, I guess, yeah. you know? be fun that your kids could look back on definitely be like dude so this is who my dad was <laughs> <laughs> he was a nutcase got it <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome man. well man what else do you uh, feel like covering is there anything that you feel like we glazed over you didn't get out or uh, maybe you don't get asked often enough that, that people that you will learn people need to know man that's my favorite question yeah that's a Damn good question. Um, don't get asked enough. How are you doing? How are you doing, Kevin? Oh, dude, I'm doing well today, <laughs> man. But that, that's a question, man. Like Everybody walks by, everybody's just like, oh, hey, what's up? How you doing? Whatever. But nobody ever means it. You know what I mean? Like, yep. Yeah, dude, good old-fashioned, just a regular ass, how are you doing? Like a genuine one from somebody? That's a great question to get. 
that's not a question anybody ever gets. <laughs> Or at least never delivers an honest answer to you. That's true. That's true. Because most people, I feel like when people ask that, Mm -hmm. don't want an honest answer. They're just like, "Yeah, I I don't want to talk to you in a real way. Right, right. That's exactly what that is. (laughs) Yep. No, it's funny. Um, I don't know, man. Questions. I asked my wife, like my wife and I are my friends, how's your head? How's your head doing? Yeah. That's becoming a a bit of a normal question. I like that. Yeah. Where's your head at? How's your head? Cool. That's cool. I like that. Um, yeah, man, no, I don't, I can't think of a question that people don't ask. Okay. And then we covered just about everything I would say. Um, yeah, you're just, <laughs> you're not, you're not too badass to have, have mental health, you know, or, no. or problems with mental health. And it don't matter who you are. That's, I think that's the biggest takeaway that I would want everybody to know. Like it just, it honestly doesn't matter who you are. It's going to happen. At some point, yep. nobody, nobody's going to think less of you. No, you know, for dealing with it. Yeah, I feel like the more and more I go down this rabbit hole and talk to people that have done some crazy stuff, the more I feel like uh, people that end up asking for help. Uh, I think that you get a lot more respect out of it too. You do. You know. You do, and you can be, man. You can be, dude. <laughs> I, I mean. I was a madman in the wars, bro. Like, <laughs> dumb. I don't, I don't know if I had a death wish or I just didn't care. Yeah. But, dude, dumb shit, man. Like, <laughs> just being wild, feeling invincible, right? Damn, Sergeant Monroe can't. Nothing's gonna kill him. He's the baddest dude in the world. Fuck <laughs> like, no, man. Mental health is the baddest <laughs> thing in the world, dude. <laughs> I don't want anybody to ever think they got too much ego for it because I thought I did, and. It'll just cut you down so fast. Yeah. Well, everybody, I hope you all took something away from Kevin and I's conversation. Kevin, man, once again, I appreciate you so much for taking the time, coming over, sitting down, having a pretty real conversation with me, sharing some of the things that you've learned, what you've been working on, and uh, hopefully giving some folks some good ideas and, and ways to go handle um, their codependency or maybe having some good insight on how to identify and tackle some of their own issues and uh, make some good progress. Um, I hope everybody, like I said, you took something away. I'll link uh, Kevin's uh, Instagram in the episode description, so if you want to uh, Go see what he's all about. See uh, some of the guiding that he's up to, some of the crazy shenanigans, or uh, maybe just follow him along and see what he's up to. Um, I will link that in the episode description. But otherwise, I hope you all have a great day, a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we'll catch you next week.